Hello, my name is Michael McLennan, and welcome to COVID Matters, the podcast produced by COVID Aid, the UK's COVID 19 charity. In this episode, I'm delighted to be joined by Dee Holmes from Real Aid, the UK's largest provider of relationship support. Dee is a qualified couple, family, children, and young person's counsellor and supervisor. She currently works as part of the clinical management team at Relate. We took part in a live Q&A for COVID aid support community on the subject of how to speak to loved ones about loss, grief, bereavement experienced during the COVID-19 pandemic. I hope you enjoy our chat and I'll be back afterwards with more information about both Relate and COVID aid. To begin, it'd be great just to find out a bit more about yourself and how you came to be involved with Relate. Um, yeah, well, it's a long time ago now. 1997, I started my my work at Relate. Um, so yeah, I began as a as a couple counsellor. Um, I think probably it's true of a lot of counsellors. I had some counselling myself, and then I went on to do a sort of basic counselling skills course, and then at the end of that, wondered what to do next. And I must admit, I sort of just was very attracted to the thought of couple counselling, and um, so that's what drew me to Relate. And then obviously I've gone through that journey of upskilling myself further with family training and young persons and children. So, um, you know, whilst I guess my basic thing was about relationships, I think that loss and grief and, you know, all of that, you know, loss is bigger than just bereavement, isn't it? Loss can take many forms and it's often a big part of the work that we're dealing with. And for those people who aren't so aware, how do Relate help people? And how has the support, oh, sorry, and how has the support provided change since the pandemic began? So Relay is an organisation that's a national organisation with sort of got um, centres throughout the country. And until sort of about five or six years ago, we were totally a federated organisation. So, you know, we had the national body that um, did the policies and practice, you know, arrangements and everybody was federated, bought into that, had the same training, followed the same process, but ran their own centre as its own independent charity. Um, In the last few years, about 13 or 14 of our centres have come into what we call national. So national now has a um, delivery arm. So we are responsible for delivery in some national, three national regions. Um, And then we still have our federated centres in other areas. So to people out there accessing us, you are going to access Relate in the same way. It won't matter to you really whether it's federated or national, um, you know, but internally it's it's a slightly different thing. So, and yeah, we, we are the relationship people, um, but we don't just deal with that. So we, we see people in relationships, we see single people, we see individuals um, who are dealing with, all the range of issues and young persons, children's and family work is also a big part of what we do. Um, and in some areas, we offer mediation for couples, you know, families going through separation and divorce and things. So, and we train, we are a training organisation, so we train our, our counsellors um, who come to us, but we also bring in counsellors who've had external trainings that fit with, with what our delivery is. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And what do you think are the types of grief and bereavement that people have maybe more specifically or, or experienced to a greater degree during the COVID-19 pandemic? I think um, that 
you know, what's changed is that, I mean, grief and loss and bereavement, it's different for everybody. There isn't one way you can say somebody will, you know, there isn't a normal and okay way. There are some things that, you know, over overarch. But I think what's probably been different has been the fact that COVID did really rob us, you know, all of the normal process of, of how we might go through grief. So, you know, for a lot of people, losing people without being there with them, without seeing them and then not being able to grieve and get together and have a funeral and a celebration of that person's life I think that really has affected a lot of people and it doesn't matter you know because people died of other things as well as Covid during that time you know whatever loss you had so I think there's a lot of trauma that's probably gone into that as well and traumatic loss can be more difficult to get over really I mean bereavement's never an easy thing but sometimes you know, if it's a natural process and someone's at the end of a long, happy life and they've had a good a death as, as you feel they can have, you know, that that can feel still that loss, but it can feel normal and natural. But I think COVID took people suddenly. There was a great shock and there wasn't that ability to to go through the normal process and even afterwards in the grieving. And do you think that with the UK there is I think there's a notion that it can be harder for us to speak about these sorts of issues um yeah yeah I, I mean I think people are probably getting better I think at talking about things and I mean something like what we're doing now and having that the national day it raises the profile and I think we've we've all seen people talking on the news and in the media in the last few years so it's been more so but yes I think that I think what often is there is a fear, isn't it, of upsetting someone. And, you know, any of us who experienced a loss in our lives will probably have experienced people who are close to us who never mention it to us, you know, and, and that's quite bizarre. Um, I mean, I think my first great loss was when I was 15 and I was at school. And I remember there were people at school who just didn't speak to me again, you know, and, and I remember thinking, how weird is that? So I think that that fear grips us. And I think as I've grown up, I realise now that if someone doesn't mention it, it doesn't mean they don't care. I think it is that they're not sure what to say. And and I and I would feel the same myself. I mean, I'm a counsellor, I'm used to it, but I, I recently sent an email to someone who I didn't know that well, who just had a loss. And I found myself thinking, what am I going to type? You know, what I don't, and I just typed what I was thinking, which was, I'm, I don't really know what to say. And I know I can't say anything that will make it any better, but I just wanted to let you know that I was thinking about you at this time. And that person replied to me quite quickly and said, thank you. It really helps to know people are thinking of me. And I think that's something to really bear in mind that you can't do anything. You can't take away someone's pain, but just knowing that you're being thought about and just knowing there's a listening ear is really helpful to people. So you don't have to say a lot. You don't have to do a lot. You just have to do something, I think. And that leads nicely onto the next question, which I had, which is what are some of the best ways or best approaches we can take when speaking to people? Yeah, I, I sometimes think with, I mean, whilst I would say on one hand, don't ever assume that someone's experience is the same as your own. So, you know, you've got to always be curious and and know there isn't a normal and everyone is different. I also think that it can be quite useful to think, what, what would I find helpful? And I think anything is really, you know, I mean, it may be depending on 
how well you know that person and the situation, whether you're going to meet them easily or not. You know, it may be that sending a text or sending a card or sending a letter or, you know, going around to their house and giving them a bunch of flowers or just going around and, and you know, being there. I think what people often find is if you meet somebody who's suffered a bereavement and you meet them in a public place, say, afterwards, it can be difficult to know. You might be thinking, well, I don't necessarily want to trigger them being upset. So, you know, sometimes in a situation like that, just putting your hand on someone's arm and saying, you know, I've been thinking about you recently or I'm really sorry to have heard the news or, you know, just is an acknowledgement. And, you know, you can follow that up afterwards. Um, I mean, I, I think it's sometimes important to follow your instinct. You know, and sometimes you might think, oh, if I go around, I'm going to intrude. Well, I mean, again, somebody close to me lost lost a really close person in their family recently. And I just was thinking, gosh, I don't want to intrude because there's a lot of real close family grief here. But I, I went round and I knocked on the door and I said, I don't want to come in. I just wanted to knock on the door and say, I want to give you a hug and I'm really sorry, you know, and and thrust a sort of bunch of flowers and made my retreat you know um and and they did and afterwards you know messaged me and said oh it's really lovely that you came around and I think people do appreciate that I think they expect at times like that that people will intrude on their grief and they don't necessarily see it as an intrusion you just read the signals of what you're given you know don't barge in and sit down and ask for a cup of tea <laughs> so um. Yeah, I was going to ask, are, are there certain groups of people that can be uh, harder to uh, speak to? Um, I know there's sometimes ideas of can men can be a bit more difficult to open mm. up about certain issues. I don't, yes, I mean, that, that can be the case, can't it? I mean, I think, I wonder whether it's a bit about um, the type of loss that can make it harder sometimes. I mean, if, if you've got you know, one of your contemporaries, you know, I'm sort of in my late 50s now and obviously gone through that phase where a lot of us are losing our parents. So, you know, that situation is one situation. But if somebody loses a child, that's quite a different situation, isn't it? And I think it's a bit sometimes about how you, you know, you might feel quite comfortable with your contemporaries and your peers because you're all going through that loss. But when somebody has a loss that's a bit more not what you expect at that stage of life. That can be harder sometimes to address. So is it, some, but I think, yeah, people will, um, people will have different ways they deal with it from their family too. And I think something I've often heard in the counseling room, which has really struck me over the years is people who've talked about losing a parent as a child and no one ever talking to them about it. You know, I've heard many people sort of say, Oh, you know, I remember my mum came home and, you know, we, well, we got home from school and my grandma was there. And then my mum came home later and um, someone said my dad had gone to sleep and he wouldn't be coming back. And we never saw him again. And we, we didn't know what had happened. And we thought going to sleep was, you know, a bit of a scare, you know, and it just seems totally bizarre. And that, that sometimes no one says anything. And, you know, I think that's the worst thing, isn't it? Do you think that's something that's kind of changing uh, kind of in modern generations? Yeah, I think so. And I think that, you know, it's it's much harder to 
I mean, not that I would see, I don't think you do, you should protect a child from the loss of a parent because it's, it's really sad, but it's happened and you've got to face it and deal with it and try and help them with it. But I think it's a lot harder for us to shield children and young people these days from what's going on in the world, isn't it? I mean, you know, we know that they, they're much more exposed to the media and social media and, and things. So I think that we're therefore talking about that a lot more and it's there and they pick that up at school as well whether they pick it up at home so I do think that is changing yeah yeah and of course we're uh, just in the run-up to the National Day of Reflection um, so I was wondering are events like that a good chance to speak to somebody about the grief and bereavement that they've been experiencing yes I think it probably is I mean it, it's it's often I think as well that that's about, you know, we're doing that reflecting on what's happened uh, around COVID and the pandemic. But I think it's, you know, any any loss that people experience often triggers feelings of other losses they've had. So, I mean, it's an opportunity to talk about those, those things in general. And I think that's the other thing that's important that, um, you know, loss doesn't go away. We just learn to live with it in lots of ways. We learn to live with the grief and the, the raw pain sometimes, you know, diminishes over time. Um, but it's important to reflect and remember. And, it, you know, even if something, even if the loss you had was many years ago, really. I was, I was just thinking when we were talking just then when I was saying about different experiences of grief, I was thinking also about um, suicide, I think, is another area that people find really hard to talk about or know how to acknowledge them, acknowledge when they know someone has lost a loved one um, through that. I think they often feel that it's really difficult to broach that and what to say. And with something like that, is that again, the, um, I heard from somebody the idea of it's, it's better to say something and to try and approach somebody than not to do so at all. Yeah, I think so. And I mean, I think I think often you might fall back on the line of I don't know what to say because, you know, oh, I, I wish I could say something that would help because I think that's what we all feel, isn't it? We feel helpless in the face of death because it's one thing we can't control. And so it, we are helpless because it's something that happens and is a natural part of life. It may not always happen at the natural times we expect it to, but so I think helplessness is what people feel often. And so therefore, often admitting that, I mean, that's often, as I say, an important thing to say. I don't know what to say. I know there's nothing I can say. Um, and I think sometimes a lot, of the, a lot of the time people don't want to talk too much about the person. You know, I don't want to sort of upset them. But I think, again, it's a great comfort to people to hear stories of the person and other people's um, stories of them other people's memories because we all you know have different experiences of someone and I can remember when my my dad died and my brother and I went to the uh, local news agents to cancel his um, newspaper delivery and to pay the bill you know and we and we told the newspaper man behind the counter who we'd never met before you know that he died sadly and he was in his late 80s and that we wouldn't and this chap started talking about oh he was such a lovely chap he used to come in every Saturday and pay the bill and then he used to always buy a packet of this or whatever and he and we walked out and it was like gosh that man you know the news agent and my dad's relationship was a relationship that 
I never saw him have or had with him. And it was really nice to just hear how he touched someone else's life. And yes, it's it, it's emotional, but I think it's really important. So sometimes sh- sharing memories of someone or saying, gosh, I always remember this about them or that about them can be a great comfort to people. Yeah, certainly. And um, we've got some questions from the community and anybody who's here, if they want to ask or use the chat function, then please do so. Um, the first one is around uh, loss as it relates to long COVID. Um, so it's a different type of loss mm. in a sense, but it mm. definitely has feelings of grief. Mm. We've had speak, people speak to us about others not understanding the loss they experienced due to long COVID, the loss of who they once were. Mm. Um, do you have any advice for how people can convey this? Yeah, I think as you say, I mean, it's any any sort of change that happens is often has a loss in it and sometimes that change you know means something new is coming along but when you have you know if you're losing some of your capacity losing your ability and you're suffering with with long covid yes you know you've lost a big part of your life a lot big part of your identity and as you say i think people might not see it straight away so i think that's the thing they it's it's a sort of you know, something that's not seen, is it? If they if they meet you on a Zoom or they meet you at work or they see you just out and about. Um, so I, I think it can be quite difficult. So I think it's probably important, isn't it, for someone to, to share that, to, to, to explain what it's meaning to them um, and how they're feeling about it. Um, and for people to acknowledge, as I, I think I said at the beginning, that, you know, loss covers a lot of things, doesn't it? I mean, we... we we, you know, that's always the thing I think in relationship work, you know, when relationships end, there's a loss, you know, sometimes there's some gain as people go forward and they might move into a happier place or they might move into new relationships, but they've got to go through a loss. There's a huge adjustment with um, something like long COVID as with any sort of chronic health condition, really. Um, and I think it it can send shockwaves through relationships too, because it, it changes the dynamics. You know, one person might become a carer, whereas, the, you know, so it, the equality in the relationship, you know, with the, your loved ones can change as well, because you suddenly feel that you're not the same people you were. This person isn't the person that you, you married or chose to be with. This person isn't the same mum or dad that you had before. So I think everyone will experience, you know, the, people around you will experience the loss of the person you were as well as you experiencing the loss of the person you were. So I think it's, you know, it's about acknowledging those things. And and sometimes people don't want to sound self-pitying or sound selfish or sound like they're dwelling on something, but just voicing those things can make a lot of difference really. And, and, And start a journey perhaps of how you can make changes or what, what you can, where where you can glean some positives or what changes you can see have, might be made or whatever. Yeah, and no, I think that leads under something that I was um, also thinking around uh, in terms of the fact that for some people are, with things opening up and restrictions being loosened, that some people are seeing people for the first time in a couple of years and in essence, mm. They appear like the same person, but actually relationships can be a big thing that's been affected in terms of mm. breakups and people moving on and so on. So mm. are those things that people should look to try and acknowledge as well? Yes, I think so. And I think we've all changed, haven't we? And I mean, you know, there's, there's people's 
um, experience of what they want now. I mean, some people have sort of said, oh, great, you know, we're back to normal, that's it. But we're not back to normal. It's it's a new normal. And I think that even if we move on and we don't go into any restrictions again and COVID does fade away and become less of a dangerous thing, we, we've been through an experience. I mean, I certainly think that when it all started, you know, there was that disbelief, well, this won't really, this can't really be happening. You know, this is a sort of science fiction movie, you know, pandemics and people closing down and shop, shops being shut and all of this. And I, I think for me, I definitely think I, it's a bit like that thing when you were a child, when you suddenly realise your parents aren't invincible anymore and that they don't absolutely know everything. I suddenly feel like, well, actually, things do happen in the world that are really seem way out and out of out of what I believe is normal. So I think that for a lot of us, it shifted our feeling and our fear sounds a very dramatic word, but, you know, our, our feeling that actually things could spiral out of control. And I think a lot of people suffer from that feeling of, you know, what else might happen. Um, so I think there's tentative steps about going back and and yeah and the change that we all had yeah and we've just had a, a message from peter um who says mm. <clears throat> loss is essentially personal but in the pandemic and with the extent of coverage in tv uh, etc covid related deaths have become commonplace has this mm. reduced or enhanced the empathy of others mm. that's an interesting point isn't it because it's almost, yes, I suppose what it's saying there is, you know, does it sort of dilute it? You know, you, it becomes it, everybody saying, oh, well, yes, I know someone who's, oh, yes, I know someone who's, and, and so it becomes, it feels less that your, you know, that your your situation is unique at that time or or whatever. So, yeah, I think it, I think it can, um, what's the word, numb us, you know, because we see so much of it. So it becomes... Um, we become a bit numb to it, don't we? And we become a bit, oh, that's happened, oh, that's happened. Um, and so I, I, I think that it, it it was so much, wasn't it? It was almost overwhelming. There was so much loss at one time. Um, and so that is quite difficult to process. So I think probably the way we as humans process that in some way is we do shut down a bit and just, you know, sort of become numb to it, really. Yeah. And I guess there's the kind of non-family aspect to that as well. It makes me think of the workplace and the fact that if people are returning to their office, then uh, they may have experienced grief or bereavement or people around them and mm. not really had the chance that they might have had if they'd been there at the time to acknowledge yeah. and yeah. respond to that. Yeah. I, that's right. I think, you know, there's, there's something about, you know, you could, you could meet with a colleague at work, couldn't you, and find out down the line 18 months later that they lost someone close to them and it feels like gosh I didn't know that at the time and yeah and that can be quite hard but I don't think it's ever sort of too late to acknowledge that because I think that an important thing is is continuing to acknowledge that with people isn't it and something that sometimes people say is really helpful is when people remember anniversaries you know they remember that it was a year ago that you lost that that loved one or that it was two years ago or that it was 10 years ago you know if that that was that will always be a significant date for you a significant time yeah and I think that that leads on to a question asked by Anne who says is there best time to speak to someone mm. 
my friend lost their mum from your first lockdown and I wasn't sure if it's now too late. I don't think it's ever too late, no, because, you know, you, you, it's, it will still, and again, that thing about when you've had a loss, and I mean, for someone who, you know, lost their mother, you know, that, that will always stay with you, won't it? And there's different stages in life when that might come up. And I mean, for that, you know, so I think that's something always to be aware of, you know, if somebody um, goes to a check, you know, like suddenly somebody's getting married or something and they lost someone, you know, they will remember at that point the person they lost. And, and it can sometimes be acknowledged at times like that. You know, I, I'm sure you're really looking forward to your wedding and it's going to be a lovely day, but I, I guess you will notice the loss of X or Y on that day because they're not going to be there. And, and I think those little acknowledgements can be quite important they're the things that people sometimes say oh I don't want to don't want to talk about that don't want to upset them on you know when I mean I wouldn't say that it's the thing you say to the bride just after she's got married but it's something that you might say to somebody around that time you know it's it's important to acknowledge that so no I don't think it's ever too late to to say to someone I'm sorry to hear about that or and ask them how they're coping now you know how has it how has it been you know how are you feeling you know how is it and in terms of uh family dynamic um it, nick asked uh, our family has never really spoken much about our feelings are there ways of changing this yeah it's it's always tricky isn't it when you because i think we're all governed by how our families are that's that's what sort of starts our journey in life and what we consider the normal um, and if you come from a family where feelings are talked about and acknowledged and there's a lot of empathy, that's really good. But then if you come from a family, like I said earlier, where they might not even tell you somebody's died, you know, they, they sort of use euphemisms and pretend this person's just gone off somewhere. and You know, no one actually acknowledges it. Um, and I always think in families as well, the whole issue about do children go to funerals is, is a big debate and something that families differ on. So, I mean, if you come from a family where things aren't talked about and you want to start that, then I suppose the place to start is by talking about your feelings. And, you know, that might by you making yourself a bit vulnerable by saying, I want to share how upset I felt about this or I really wanted to talk about, you know, this or that, then then people will that they may start by focusing on your feeling and acknowledging yours, but not want to open up about theirs at first. That might be a longer journey. I suppose what I'm thinking is you can't expect them to suddenly say, oh, I'm really glad you, you've said that because I really want to talk about my feelings. They might be quite, quite scared by that and think, oh, gosh, he's going somewhere here that I don't want to go um, and try not to engage too much. But I think it's about gentle gentle props in that that way and trying other ways I mean sometimes people don't want a face-to-face -face discussion but sometimes people might have a discussion over email or they might have a discussion over text or you might be able to um you know open up a discussion by just you know mentioning something or saying oh I saw such and such today and that reminded me of granddad and you know sending that in a whatsapp and they might respond with oh gosh yes he did used to love you know yorkshire puddings didn't he or whatever it is just trying to find some connection to get them to sort of talk with you um that you know that that may be a way in um, but i think everybody's sort of experience of grief is 
is different. Um, you know, and there isn't a right or a wrong way. And it's it's really important to to sort of normalize someone's experience. It might not be your experience, but it's their experience. Um, yeah. And uh, the final question we have for at the moment, unless somebody else, if anybody else wants to ask anything else, just let us know. Uh, but it's from Laura and it's uh, related uh, to that as well. It's, is there a best way of knowing how to uh, comfort someone? Often I've wanted to, but didn't want to say something that's clumsy or offensive. Mm. And I think that's it. You, you know, think about what would it mean to you if someone said something and, you know, just just not, you know, less is more sometimes, really. You don't have to give a great long speech to the person, but just saying, I, I'm really sorry to, you know, hear of your loss or... Um, you know, it's lovely to see you today. I know you're going through a difficult time. But I, I just think, so, you know, just sometimes it, it is amazing. I mean, I suppose I find it amazing because it's not how I would be, but it is amazing how people don't say anything. And then people, people do notice that, I think, and feel hurt and feel that someone hasn't acknowledged it. So I think, I think you're very unlikely to offend somebody you're more likely to offend them by not saying anything, really, by not acknowledging it. Um, and, and just a simple, you know, I don't know what to say. What can I say? Because, as we say, there isn't anything you can say. And I think that's the important thing, that you've said something, you've acknowledged that this has happened. And being there, I mean, some people, as we say, some people, that will just be it. It will be a, a quick exchange and they might not want to talk. It might be the place you're in at the time they don't want to. But other people may want to open up and, and talk to you. And um, and they may want to give you a hug and have a good cry on your shoulder. I, I think I think it's, you know, it's letting them know that's OK um, and that you're not phased by that, really. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Um, to end with, it'd be great to find out more about how people can find and access related services. Yes, um, I mean, Relate, obviously, we, our website, relate.org.uk. Um, on our website as well, uh, one of the services that we have that is um, quite important um, is um, we have a web chat, a 30 minute web chat service, which is something that people sometimes use um, just to sort of dip their toe in the water, really, and just to. Um, you know, start the process and see whether this is for them. But during sort of starting when the pandemic started, we had at that point, excuse me, some funding and we were able to offer that for free to certain um, parts, certain sort of sectors of the NHS. It was geographical, I mean, in the, um, and we're still doing that. So, um, so there are some areas um, where people can come along and have a chat. And that was really starting because we were realising that need for people to, um, have someone to talk to but they didn't necessarily have the time to involve themselves in a series of counselling sessions so just being able to have a 30-minute chat was useful but yeah our website has lots of links to different things as well and I, I think things like um, um, obviously as well as as well as what we offer at Relate you know, organisations like Cruise of course that specialise in, in bereavement um, their website is really useful as well but I would I would also you know say that it's important to just um, think also sometimes about the loss cycle, you know, about that isn't, there's a normal way that, you know, there's those stages that we go through of denial and anger and 
despair and bargaining and acceptance and feeling numb or relieved yearning you know they're all feelings that we will experience and then it's not a linear thing you're not going to suddenly wake up and go through them all you're going to feel angry you're going to feel sad you're going to feel acceptance and then you're going to go back to one of those feelings depending on you know what's happening in your life so I think that's really important to bear in mind that it will get easier but it won't go completely away because it's part of life isn't it is is death Thanks so much to Dee for her time. Relate offers counselling services across the UK for every type of relationship. They provide advice on marriage, LGBT issues, divorce and parenting, and a lot more. You can find them at relate.org.uk. That is relate.org.uk. If you haven't heard of us, COVID Aid is the UK's national charity dedicated to supporting all those significantly affected by the COVID 19 pandemic. We provide a range of supportive services, advice and information, including hosting our COVID-19 support community, where we host courses and events. Please visit covidaidcharity.org and join our community at community.covidaidcharity.org. We'll be back soon with another episode. Until then, please take care.